ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could, would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Cause we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation. Hey, guys. You're listening to the Lazy Genius Podcast. I'm Kendra, and I'm here to help you be a genius about the things that matter and lazy about the things that don't. This is episode 92, Finding a Bedtime Routine for Kids. This is a very niche episode, so if you don't have little kids, I hope you have a lovely day and have a lovely time listening to the next podcast that starts playing in your ears. Might I recommend, if you're looking for recommendations, the podcast with Knox and Jamie for Pop Culture Good Times. The Next Right Thing with Emily P. Freeman to help you make decisions with soul. And What Should I Read Next with Ann Bogle to help you figure out what to read next. Those are three of my favorites. And also, uh, before you go, if you don't have kids, hang tight for a quick second. Don't forget that you have just another week to buy The Swap, which is the Lazy Genius Guide to Decluttering for Life. It's a short little ebook that offers a clear path through your stuff and it keeps you from burning your house down when you just want to start over. So check out the show notes for the link or go to store.thelazygeniuscollective.com and check out the swap. Okay. So if you don't have kids, love you. Bye. On to today's episode. If you do, kids' bedtime routines. Um, for those of you with little kids, you have asked about this many times on Instagram and email. Um, so let's do it. Let's jump into this. The irony of my talking about this today is that our family is in a major bedtime routine situation with my two-year-old Annie. I will get into some details about that here in a second, but I'm not an expert in this by any stretch. I will, however, try and give you some ways to think about your kids going to bed and how you can set the whole family up for goodness and rest by asking a few specific questions, no matter what your um, kids' ages are. Because there are a lot of layers to the struggle with getting our kids to bed, the routine aspect, um, it can be a little, it can be a little shameful. Um, even if we aren't doing it a certain way, or if our kids are like just beasts when it comes to getting them down for bed, we feel like we're doing something wrong as parents. Now I do think that having some consistency in some degree helps our kids and us, uh, rest well, helps them learn responsibility and expectations and how to brush their own teeth. I mean, you guys, the teeth, How are they still surprised when it's time to brush their teeth? I don't understand. We do this every night. Uh, But routines, they can be really, really helpful in that. As adults, we usually love routine. I've done episodes on a morning routine, an evening routine, an exercise routine, a cleaning routine, all the routines. Side note, if you love routines and you did not know that those episodes existed, you're welcome. And I will put links to them in the show notes. Um, Or you can just scroll through the archives and you can check out the titles. They're very descriptive titles. 
But the point, though, is that we love routines and find a lot of value in them as adults. So we know there's a lot of value in them for our kids, too. Uh, routine, which I think that's why we feel a lot of pressure about them, because routines are um, signals. They are like little helpful, like starting buttons that tell our kids um, very energetic spirits that like, it's bedtime now. Everybody stop jumping on the furniture. It's like that little trigger to start a new process to start slowing down and going to bed. So you could be in a, in a variety of places with this. You might have a tiny baby and you know that bedtime routines will eventually be very important. You could be in the thick of it with toddlers and wonder if there's something missing. Maybe there's a better way that you could do this where you feel a little less crazy. You might have like older elementary age kids or even teenagers. And this whole bedtime routine is like super weird because your kids go to bed later than you do now. There are a lot of nuances and individual needs in every family. But there's one thing that is universal for all of us who are responsible for a kid. And that is this, you're not doing anything wrong. As adults, we try and create these systems around stressful times like bedtime so that um, it's for control so that we can convince ourselves that we're doing it right. Um, Especially for this, that like our kids are going to sleep when they're supposed to and they're having or not having the right amount of screen time or reading the right books and the right number of books and properly learning how to spit out their toothpaste instead of swallowing it and all the things. We put a lot of pressure on bedtime and have a hard time trusting our own selves when it comes to making decisions about our kids. We ask friends what time their kids go to bed to see if our times line up. And then we feel like parental trash when we see a kid younger than ours reading books out loud when like your son still thinks that LMNOP is one letter. We have this self-inflicted pressure and then we have other mom pressure as well. It's really a lot to carry. And the good news is you don't have to. You don't have to carry it. I recently had a friend tell me that she is afraid of having kids, not because of having the actual kid, but because of other moms. She's not afraid of being a mother, but of being a mother in front of other mothers. That's tough. That's really tough, y'all. Moms are so hard on each other or can be, even in the tiniest, most nuanced ways. That's usually kind of the worst even. Um, And bedtime is one of those places where judgment, it can land pretty hard. Like if you hear another mother say something about her kid's bedtime and how they must be in bed by 730 because all kids need that much sleep to function, but your kid, who's the same age, doesn't go to bed until 830, you've already lost. You're doing it differently and therefore you're doing it wrong. So here is the first thought about your kid's bedtime routine. There is not a universal rule or routine or bedtime or any of it. There's not a set standard that you must meet. Even though everyone is trying to get as close to it as they can, but guess what? Like in a lot of other areas, we're chasing an invisible finish line. It just doesn't exist. You might see a kid that's at the age of your kid who's out at the grocery store with his mom two hours after your kid went to bed. And let's be honest, you might think, what kind of mother is that? Get your kid in bed. But maybe she's a single mom who works late and can only grocery shop at night and doesn't have access to a sitter or a grandmother or anyone to watch her kid. And so the kid goes along too. And maybe that's one of the few times she gets to be with her son at all. Or maybe her kid just doesn't need as much sleep. We never know the whole story. 
No one ever knows your whole story. And because there's not a universal rule or story when it comes to putting our kids to bed, it doesn't even matter that we don't know the whole story. It shouldn't matter at all. Let's just show grace to each other, to parents who are doing it differently than we are, just as we hope that grace is extended to us when we do it differently than someone else. Different doesn't mean wrong on their part or on ours. It just is. So wherever you are with your own kids' bedtime situation, just know that you know your kids better than I do or your neighbor does or the lady in Target does. You don't need anyone's permission to make reasonable decisions for your kids like when and how they go to bed. You don't need me to tell you that the specifics of what you're doing are okay. But maybe you do need me to tell you that you're okay. You can trust yourself as a caretaker when it comes to your kids. That's the bottom line. Now, I'm not saying that you can't ask for advice or feedback from other moms, but if you're really struggling with something regarding your kids and their bedtimes, ask a mom that you trust who doesn't judge and who parents in a way that you admire uh, because her feedback, it might actually encourage you. It could even be like logistically helpful because it makes sense in the scheme of your own life. It's like my advice in a lot of other areas of having just one guru. Start with one voice you admire rather than gathering, gathering like all the information from a million different voices and then trying to sift through what makes sense. Choose one voice, one mom, one parenting guru who you admire and who parents the way that you deeply desire to, not necessarily the way you think you should. Those are often two different things. So there's not a standard to meet and you can trust your instinct when it comes to your kid. Okay, now let's jump into the practical side of this. If you're interested in building some kind of bedtime routine for your kids, a helpful place to start is the time on the clock. What actual time do you want your kids to be in bed in an ideal world? And second question, is it important for that time to be consistent? Consistency might not be as important or even doable based on your family's schedule. It depends on who you are and what your, your kids need. So recognize that part of it now. Uh, in general, if you're shooting for a basic bedtime routine, start with the end. Start with when you want them in bed and the lights out and you on the couch with a book or whatever it is and reverse engineer from there. I'm not about to tell you a good ballpark bedtime for kids because first, I don't know the answer. And second, I don't think there is one, truly. And you'll, you'll probably feel differently with your first kid and your second or your third or your sixth. A bedtime that you choose for one kid, it might not be the bedtime you choose for another kid that was that same age in your same family. It all changes. It's all fluid and okay to change things based on what makes sense. But by starting from the end, you can back up all the things you'd like to do in a bedtime routine, um, both for their bodies and their sweet little souls. You get to choose the pieces of what goes into the routine. For example, brushing teeth, changing into pajamas, a bath or a shower, reading, screen time, homework, making lunches for the next day, singing a song, braiding hair, asking a specific question at the end of every day. There are a ton of things, but knowing what you want to do, choosing those things and knowing your general time frame within which those things can happen, it will help you as you build your routine. Now, the easiest way to establish routine 
and the expectation of routine is in small steps. It's doing one small thing that builds on another small thing you're already doing. If you have a little baby or like little, little kids, having even the most basic routine will give you something to build on as they get older when you might incorporate more than you do now. So just be patient. That's the most important thing. Be patient with the process and with your kids. I know you just want them to brush their teeth already. I get it. Oh my word. But a routine doesn't mean that there won't be complaining or crazy energy or whiny moods. Routine is there no matter how you or your kids are acting. And remember that your goal in this, it isn't perfection. It is connection. Connection, not perfection. Okay. So pick the actual lights out time. Think about what you want to happen before that and then put them in an order that makes sense. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. This episode is sponsored by Wayfair. I love being home, especially now that my home reflects my style. No matter your style, Wayfair is your go-to destination for home decor. The Waberhood exists in every zip code because Wayfair helps everyone create a home they love and makes it easy with fast and free shipping. We just hung the Sabine metal curved oval mirror in our dining room, and it's like the room took a deep breath and suddenly feels like itself. To find your own happy place in the Waberhood, just visit Wayfair on their website or through the Wayfair mobile app. Wayfair. Every style. Every home. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. And here's where I will share our current kid bedtime routine to give you a sense of how it can be put together. Not how it should, but how it can. I have three kids. Um, Sam is nine and in third grade. Ben is seven and in first grade, and Annie is two and thinks she is a teenager. She is a hot mess, y'all. We are in it with her right now. Um, and then let me tell you a little bit about the needs of my kids because that's very important for you as you choose what to do with your kids. You have to, it's all different. Everybody's different. So Sam, my oldest, he has never needed a lot of sleep. I used to beat myself up like crazy because especially as like a new mom, with just the one kid. Oh, it's just awful because I thought it was something wrong with me. But ever since he was a baby, he's always slept a solid two to four hours less a day than what the experts said he needed for his age. When he was a baby, his naps were short and sporadic and his demeanor never changed because of it. It wasn't like he was overtired and cranky. He just didn't need a lot of sleep to function and he would get mad just like having to lie there awake. And that's still the case. So Sam does best if he's asleep by nine. So we shoot for being out of his room with the light off by 845, which I don't know. That might seem super late for a third grader or super early. I don't know your life. I just know mine, but it works for us. Ben, my middle kid, he loves sleep and he does better the more that he gets. We are out of his room by 830 and it used to be closer to eight, but he has Jan, Bra Jan Brady middle kid syndrome. He hates being in the middle. Um, and he would get upset that Sam got to stay up later, even though Ben really loves to sleep. So we pushed his time a little later because it wasn't that big of a deal. 
and because, and this is relevant too, um, our boys have um, those um, alarm clocks where um, that light up to, that tells them when it's okay to get out of bed in the morning. And they've had them for years. So their alarm clocks light up at 636 every morning and even on the weekends. Ben often sleeps past his light. And I have to wake him up for breakfast in school, which is fine. And then Sam is almost always awake at least like a half an hour before his light even turns on. I will come out um, into like the living room, which is closer to where his bedroom is for my own morning routine around like 545 or 6. And he'll pop his head out of his room with this like creepy like, hi, mom. It can be very startling. Um, But the boys have a rule that they can't come out of their rooms until the green light comes on. But if they wake up when the first number is a six, they can turn their light on and read until their green light on their alarm comes on. They can tell time now, like that, but when they couldn't, that first number rule really helped. Like if it's not a six, you cannot turn your light on. So again, our kids need and want different amounts of sleep, which affects their bedtimes. And with Annie, oh my gosh, we are in quite a power struggle with her right now. Um, her bedtime it is somewhere between 7 and 7.30, depending on how well she napped uh, that afternoon and what time she got up in the morning. She does not have a light-up alarm yet, so she might get up at 6. She might get up at 8. It's kind of the worst, but we are dealing. But 7.30 is the general aim for when she is in bed. So that is where we end. That is where we reverse engineer from. 8.45 for Sam, 8.30 for Ben, 7.30 for Annie. Now for what's included... Our kids do baths and showers at night. Um, We always have reading time. The boys get a little screen time and like play a video game or watch those stupid YouTube videos where kids open up toys and play with them. I don't understand. Um, And then like basic teeth brushing and stuff. So, and that's it. So knowing that that's what's included, knowing our end times and we back it up. This is our family bedtime routine that we have added on and kind of moved around over the years. And this is what works for us. So it all starts around 6.30. We have finished dinner. We've kind of cleaned up the kitchen a bit. um, And everybody's like just hanging out. The official start uh, of bedtime routine is taking vitamins. Annie gets the container of gummy vitamins. My husband, Kaz, he dishes them out. And then we're off to the races. That's that's our trigger. That's like our starting pistol, vitamins. Um, and I should say too, that my husband is home for bedtime routines, which I realize isn't the case for everybody, but we tag team this process together. So around 6.30, I take Annie, Cos takes the boys, and it's time for everybody to get clean. In one bathroom, I give Annie a bath, and in another bathroom, Cos helps the boys with showers. They can shower themselves mostly, but without supervision, they just like stay in there forever and never actually remember to wash themselves. So he's, we're working on that. Um... If your family only has one bathroom, that affects how you handle bedtime, right? You might have to start earlier um, and stagger or have some kids get clean in the mornings, others in the evenings. It's Tetris. It's all logistical Tetris and you can do it. Just know what you need, work with what you have and reverse engineer from that end time. Okay. So once Annie is done um, we with her bath, we head into the bathroom where the boys are and everybody kind of brushes their teeth and... Sometimes the kids need their hair dried and all that stuff. And that all happens um, together. And we can do that because our bathroom um, used to be a tiny bedroom, which makes it a big bathroom. 
when we moved into our house, there wasn't a, a master bathroom, but there was this like random little office bedroom next to it, which we converted. So we can all comfortably hang out in the bathroom. Now, don't force a routine to exist in a space that's not comfortable for everyone at the same time. If that doesn't work for you, make it work for you. It's just putting the right pieces in the right places and not just being annoyed that you don't have what you wish you had. Okay, so um, I try to be back in Annie's room with her by seven on most nights. We are currently trying to potty train for the love. So we'll try and pee on the potty, which sometimes happens immediately. Sometimes it takes 20 minutes. I'm trying not to pull my hair out and sometimes not at all. It's, it's such a blast. Then we will um, get her diaper and her pajamas on and she reads a book. It used to be that we read several books, um, but we've gotten it down to one just because she's a milker and she keeps pushing like book after book after book. She's also getting into longer books now. So more than one, it just takes forever. Now I am happy to read her book after book in the daytime, but not as much at night because I want her to go to sleep so I can be alone. So we read a book from her little book basket in her room. And then ideally she turns on her sound machine. She turns off her light and I lift her into her new big girl bed. We are currently, like I said, we are in a power struggle with her because she has gotten to where she refuses to do this set of things to actually get into bed. She won't turn on her sound, which is kind of the start of everything in her room. And if I, if I do it, she's all like, I do it on my own, but then won't actually do it. So real talk, we've been in a bit of a struggle with her lately. It used to work okay, um, the struggle, because she couldn't get out of her bed. It was too high, but now she's figured out how to get out of bed. So we can't just leave her. So we've had nights uh, recently of having to literally sit at the end of her bed so she can't physically get out while she just screams. She won't lie down and let herself be tucked in. Um, yeah, she's very too right now. But we're trying to be extremely consistent with, with the other things, um, with the expectations that happen at bedtime. So she knows that this is what this means. You know, this is when we start the sound, when we do this thing, like it's time for bed. Um, I'm hopeful that she will start giving in sooner because we've had nights in the last week or two where it's like a screaming process for like over an hour and it's so hard, but it won't always be like that. And that's, that's true for you too. Sometimes the routine is there to help with kids who love creating their own boundaries and are looking for the line to break. So staying consistent, it does help in communicating to them that you mean business, that you love them, but you mean business and they're not in charge and they have to go to bed. She is very, she's very independent. She's a very independent two-year-old, which will serve her well one day. It does not serve her super well right now going to bed, but it will eventually. Um, and she does love to sleep and be cozy. So I'm hoping it gets better soon. So on nights that are regular where she goes to bed without a fight, I'm out of her room around 7.30, which is our goal time, right? And the boys are done getting ready for bed and are having their screen time. Remember, you choose what you want to choose and we choose screen time and that's okay. So they get screen time until a few minutes before eight. Um, if they focus on their showers and teeth and stuff, sometimes they get as much as a half an hour with screen time. If they don't, it might be 10 minutes. The end time is what's set, not the total time. So it's not like they get 20 minutes of screen time every night. It's like, no, they have to turn off any screen time by five minutes till eight. And at this point, the house is tidy. The dishwasher is running. 
and Kaz and I are parked in the living room, him with his Twitter and me with my book. We usually have candles lit in the living room because ever since we lost power for a few days during Hurricane Michael, our boys have become obsessed with evenings by candlelight. It's so cute. So after their screen time is over, they come into a calm, candlelit living room where both of their parents are, and everybody usually gets a book or something quiet and just reads. Ben will even sometimes just lie there under a blanket with a smile on his face, and he'll say something about how the whole family's together, which is his favorite. He just, he loves that. So um, and we don't correct him that Annie isn't there because, you know, he's kind of in a tricky relationship right now with his little sister. We don't force him. Um, it is not uncommon for him to reference how he wishes she had never been born. So that's happening right now. It's fine. Um, sometimes if there is a, like a big game on, we're a big sports family. We'll have the game on TV, but with the sound off. Um, and that isn't because like sound is bad for everyone across the board, but because Sam, my oldest, he gets easily jacked up on stimulation and especially sports. He gets so into games. So just watching it, Rather than hearing it, it helps him stay a bit more calm before bed. He also takes a kid's dosage of melatonin around this time. Um, for years, he said he just couldn't fall asleep or settle down, and he would. He would just keep getting out of bed. He just he just spins. He he's he's on or off. Like he has no wind down. So um, it is the tiniest tiniest dosage of melatonin. Um, but by taking that pill he knows that his body's going to start to relax. Like there's such a placebo effect in it, but it really does make a difference for him. So, um, for about half an hour, the parents and the two big kids, we just hang out together in the living room. It's mostly quiet. We're together. And then at eight twenty, Ben goes to pee, get into bed. He knows that's the time when the big hands on the floor. Um, he goes to pee, gets into bed. And then Sam starts what we call solo reading, which is essentially like reading in his room on his own. It's an amazing Amazing creative name, isn't it? Um, and remember, he's up a few minutes past Ben, so he fills that time with reading in his bed. But they both kind of go off at the same time, which kind of helps Ben feel like he's not the middle kid having to go to bed earlier. So um, Kaz sings a song to Ben and prays with him, and then I go in to kiss him. Kaz is the starter. I am the closer. And then we do the same for Sam a few minutes later. And um, real quickly about like doors and dark and night lights and stuff like that. Ben has never had a problem. Um, he sleeps with his door closed and a nightlight. It's, it's nothing. But we had to wean Sam off of an open door at night. Took a long time. He has a lot of anxiety and, like I said, like excess energy. And he would just like perseverate on his door not being cracked the right amount or his nightlight not being as bright as usual or whatever. He Guys, he just turned nine. And it wasn't until this past year where we finally got him to go to sleep with his door closed. So if you have an anxious kid, I get it. It's so hard and you're doing great. It takes time and you're not doing anything wrong. It takes a long time. It's okay. Um, and then that's it. Our boys, um, they don't really wake up anymore. And then Annie, she'll, she might wake up like once or twice if she can't get her blankets back on her or if she has a super wet diaper and wants to be changed. But for the most part, our kids, once they're in bed, they're in bed until morning. And that is our specific kid bedtime routine. We've always started with the end and we add in things as they make sense. Like the candles. We didn't always do candles. But now those candles make that chill family time even more on purpose and essential to the routine. They're part of it. Little choices can make a big difference 
if you pay attention to what your family responds to and needs, which is often hard because we're tired too. It's the end of the at the end of the day, but it is nice to just sort of notice those things and then add them in to what's already happening. Now, let me say one last thing about um, when things change, when something throws the routine off. For example, sometimes one of my boys has to poop, like right when it's time for a shower and they take a long time to poop. Or maybe you get home late from dinner at a friend's house or a game or something. Having a routine, it really helps um, because you know what to expect, even if you're rushed, um, you know what needs to happen and often in what order. There's no surprise for your kids. But here's where this is really helpful. Always know what part of the routine is the first to go to make room for an interruption or for starting late. For the boys, it's screen time. If we're home late, if they take a long time doing homework they didn't do earlier, if they have to poop, whatever it is, screen time goes in the routine. That's what, and that's what kind of gets it back on track for the end time. For Annie, it's a, it's a bath. That's what goes. If we're behind, we'll skip a bath and then we'll make sure she gets one the next day. So always know what part of the routine is the first to go. Um, what can give when things interrupt it. That's a little bonus bedtime tip. But ultimately, you guys, you're doing great Your kids are not ruined because they go to bed at a different time every night. You are not a terrible parent because you don't have some kind of like memory maker at the end of every day. Their spirituality is not doomed because you don't read them a bedtime story every single night. Just seek to connect with your kids within the framework of this gentle bedtime routine and see what comes of it. It's like, um, it's like Emily P. Freeman said in one of her episodes of the next right thing. Do what you like and see what grows. Do what you like and see what grows. No pressure. Okay, that's it. If you have any questions about this, I will be on Instagram this Thursday around 1215 Eastern time to answer them and offer up a place for you to encourage each other and us trying to get our kids to go to bed. So you can join me there at the lazy genius on Instagram. And uh, before we go, just a quick reminder about the swap you have until the end of the month and then not again for quite a while. So check the link in the show notes to get more info. All right, that's it for today. Thanks so much for listening. And remember to be a genius about the things that matter and lazy about the things that don't. I'm Kendra and I will see you next week. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu accreditation.